I said we were going to talk about aliens when we started this because this whole thing has been on the book I made called Alien Theology. We really haven't talked about aliens at all yet, though. We've been trying to get our groundwork prepared to have the conversation. So, Casey, I like how you were at the Hulk underneath Doctor Who. It's great. <laughs> so today we're going to address two questions. One, theologically, God speaking, could he have made aliens? And then two, if so, are they saved? Kind of weird questions to ask, but that this is nerd church. You're into the weird stuff already anyways. All right. First question for you. Does anybody know when we first wondered if there might be aliens? Yesterday. I mean, okay, so last, all right, you guys aren't helping me out here. (laughs) Scientifically speaking, we've become more like wise about the universe and uh, the possibilities and whatnot more recently. So when do you think we first started talking about this? Ancient Egypt. So ancient aliens is. uh, Huh? (laughs) Okay, outside of all the conspiracy theories. When did humanity first start wondering, I guess is what we Egypt. So we'll go back to the uh, 4th to 3rd century BC, so before Christ. So this is like, what, 23, 2400 years ago, in which Epicurus, a Greek philosopher, said, we must believe that in all worlds there are living creatures and plants and other things we see in this world. So if you think back, last week I put up a quote in which... Uh, A famous Greek thinker said, uh, um, look, there's moons on Jupiter. It's not for us because we don't need those moons. So since Jupiter has moons, somebody must have to see at night. Therefore, it makes sense if there's moons there that that there's got to be beings there as well. So this is similar thinking with Epicurus uh, that he's probably thinking in a similar vein. Like, look, we have a planet and we exist on this planet. So if other planets exist, must be aliens out there. He said that in the 4th to 3rd century before Christ, and then Aristotle came around and was like, you fool, and just said, uh, started teaching like, no, that doesn't make any sense. There can't be others out there. (laughs) Christians kind of went along with Aristotle. So while Epicurus opened it up to the possibility that there's other beings on other planets, Aristotle was like, no, and Christians like Aristotle, uh, we're, we're going with him on this. This stayed this way. Christians weren't supposed to really talk about aliens or consider it because of Aristotelian beliefs until about 1277 AD when a bishop named Etienne Timpierre came along and what's on the screen is paraphrased, but essentially him and a bunch of other Christian scholars were like, we don't believe in aliens, but we don't know why you're all so like angry about the conversation. So ETN started to change the conversation. He said, look, do you guys believe that God has all power? Is he truly omnipotent? Well, you can't say that he couldn't make others out there then, because then you're saying like he doesn't have the power to do that. You don't believe truly that he has all power if he can't make other beings. So that was what he started pushing in 1277 AD. And uh, suddenly these other Christian scholars were finally able to talk about it because he had kind of like put some theological thinking out there. We're like, okay, that's a good point. So he opened this up in 1277 AD. It's now like 700 years later and people are still kind of (laughs) like, if Christians bring up the idea of aliens, like you're insane or like, you know, when I was writing this book, I'm like, 
everyone's going to hate me. And that ended up not being the case. But, like, I was like, people are going to think I'm a heretic or crazy or I'm going to look like the aliens guy. Which, after I said that, my brother made that picture of me looking like the aliens guy. But um, the conversation opened up to Christians about 700 years ago. Uh, So with all that being said, this brings us into um, another conversation. So here's some just Christian logic I would throw at you. Here's part of the reason I think Christians are kind of primed for the conversation. uh, Is that our Bibles are full already of beings that don't exist on our planet, right? So throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, you come across angels, you come across demons, Um, And if you believe in these beings, and at least for me, I do, you know, I've casted out demons before. I've seen um, them present in people and had to participate in that. So uh, for me, I've seen that. So I already believe that there are these beings that are not physical beings uh, or are not uh, beings on this planet. They're from somewhere else. This isn't their home. So for me... Christian thought is already saying, like, we believe that God has made things outside of just our planet. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying, like, (laughs) I'm not saying that angels live on some other planet somewhere or anything like that. I'm just saying that we already have this thought that, like, everything that exists is not within this one planet. Joel, were you saying? No. Okay. So, to some extent, I would just suggest, like, Christians, to some extent, are already uh, primed to have an understanding that there is more than just our planet. Um, So we're talking about the possibility of alien life. Those are some things to lead us up to it. Here's things we've already talked about it. Uh, God is the creator of science, and we believe that we, though we are made by God, he makes us of science, right? Skin, molecules, organs, there's science going through all of our bodies. So we know that God has created us in that way. We've also talked about God as a creator of evolution. Um, So if evolution works on this planet, then you already have this thought that God can, if he's created science and he's created evolution, well, then we, thinking in that way, have to say, okay, so could he work with evolution on another planet as well? Would he take that route? And then we've also pointed out the fact that God's the creator of the entire cosmos, right? So two trillion galaxies out there, you cannot see them all. They were not made for you. They were not made so that you could look up in the sky and think that they're pretty because you cannot see them. So if they weren't made for you, why are they there? They clearly don't need to be there. They're not affecting us at all. Uh, They're too far away for that. So are they there for someone else? Are they just a product of... Uh, space debris or could God do something else within those other two trillion galaxies so these are just reasons to consider the possibility of alien life based on what we've already talked about here's what you do as a scientist if you're looking for alien life you look for what they call Goldilocks planets Uh, the premise is more or less um, well it's the story of Goldilocks right this soup's too hot this soup's too cold but this soup is just right uh, this chair is too hard, this chair is too soft, but this chair is just right. What scientists do know is that life exists on our planet. So while we could conceive of the idea that life could exist on a planet unlike ours, ideally, out of the two trillion galaxies out there, 
we want to look for a planet that looks just like ours, right? This planet's this close to the sun, or this planet's too far away from the sun, this planet's too close to the sun, but this planet's just like Earth, it's just right. When I look through the spectroscope to check out the elements on this planet, this planet has too much of this, this planet has too little of this, but this planet looks very similar to ours. So what scientists do is they look for a Goldilocks planet, something that looks just like ours, because we know that life can exist on ours. So we're looking for, you know, water, oxygen, uh, temperature, and similar amounts to what we have on Earth. Uh, so a lot of people build the case like, if we are gonna find alien life anywhere, that planet has to look just like ours because that's the only conceivable form in which life exists. I would push back on that. That's how I've thought for like my entire life. In fact, churches have especially taught that, right? Look how close we are to uh, just being away from burning up and being alive. If we are any different, we would be dead. Uh, look how much oxygen we have. That's exactly how much oxygen we need to live, so on and so forth. That's the way that we conceive of our planet. But we've already learned that evolution uh, is the idea that we adapt to our current surroundings, right? So think of it this way. Within our planet, life is already diverse. Uh, you've got saltwater creatures that can only live in salt water. You've got freshwater creatures that can only live in freshwater. You try to mix and match, they're going to die. You've got some creatures that live on the land. If you threw them in the water and said, see how long it can last, they're going to die. You got some creatures that can do land and water. And you got some creatures in the Arctic where, like, you, you know, you throw a flamingo up in the Arctic, they're going to die. But a polar bear is going to do okay. Uh, you've got a whole bunch on our planet signs showing us that life is a uh, adaptable to different situations. So when we say that life can only exist on a planet if it looks just like Earth, what does that mean in the first place? Because on Earth, you've already got various kinds of, of ways of life. Something that started in the water and lives in the water and could not live without water. Something that's on the land with oxygen and could not live without oxygen. So within our, within our planet, we've already got um, signs that God's created life to kind of adapt to its own habitat, to where it is. So with that in mind, um, I don't necessarily think another planet needs to look just like Earth to have life. Uh, let's say that carbon isn't the main uh, element of another planet. Could something evolve out of, could God cause something to evolve out of a different element? It'd have a completely different uh, um elemental makeup could could another planet be so far away from the sun but still have life there if so then uh maybe sun would be toxic to that particular creature and if it just saw a little glimpse of sun maybe it would completely destroy it right um the idea behind evolution is like life is well, let me see if I can do an analogy. Let's say I've never seen a car before, and none of you have ever seen a car before, and suddenly we come across one outside. We open up the engine, and we start looking at the engine, and we're like, wow, this is so intricately put together. This must be the only way that this could ever work, right? The engine's got to run a hose to the... I don't know how cars work, so this isn't going to last very long. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, stay with video games. I don't know how the chips work in video games either. But I'd look at this whole thing. I'd be like, this is the only conceivable way that this could ever work. It is so intricately put together. I just can't imagine or fathom the designer behind this. That is what we do with the earth. We look at the earth and we're like, this is so intricately put together. Uh, I could never conceive of another way of this working. I just like, I'm in awe of the designer behind this. That is an appropriate reaction. But what if God has made another car before, <laughs> right? One that runs on electricity instead of gasoline, one that uh, things feed differently or, or work in different ways. Still a car, still works, but, but runs in a, a different method. I'm gonna get through this before we do a few more questions. Um, whatever the case may be, I think the diversity of life that you see on Earth shows you that perhaps other planets don't have to be exactly like us to harness life. At the same time, we'll never know <laughs> because we can't see other planets, but, uh, or because we can't, you know, just land on other planets. But I think there's a possibility there that God uh, is greater than the way that the Earth is set up. So what about salvation? If there are aliens out there, are they saved? Can they be saved? How does that work? Again, this is just like theological conversation, you know? Like a lot of this is very like, you're never going to know if there's aliens, sorry, but it's fun to think about. You're never going to know if they're saved, if there are aliens, sorry, but it's fun to think about. So C.S. Lewis actually has a lot of thoughts on aliens and if they're saved. He wrote a whole sci-fi trilogy uh, which is interesting to read, but what's more interesting is he wrote a lot of, uh, like, articles uh, throughout his life. If you just read his giant book of articles, there's a bunch in there about aliens, and he gets into a whole thing about, are aliens saved? Could they be? So I'm not crazy for thinking about this. C.S. Lewis has thought about it, too. Uh, what about salvation? Can aliens be safe? I would suggest this for the first thought. Um, in the same way that we think of Goldilocks plants, so we only know that life exists on our planet because it's the way it is. So we look for other planets that look like ours. I would suggest a spiritual backdrop too. We, we only know the spiritual reason as to why we're here on our planet. So let's expect that if God made another planet, he would maybe create it with the same intention, right? So... In Genesis, they live in God's presence in his holy temple, Eden, right? But God tells them that their mission is to be fruitful and multiply, which is not just like, guys, go have sex. It's actually, I want you to create more humans. Eventually, you're going to leave Eden. And because you live in my presence and you know who I am and you follow me, each one of you is going to be in my image and you're going to fill the entire planet eventually with my image. And because you do that, the entire planet is going to look the way that I want it to look. Because that is the reason that you're here. To rule over this planet, to make it look like me, because you spend time in my presence and you know who I am and what I would have you do as you make decisions. So he's granted you authority to do that. That's still what we're doing today. Like the New Testament still works with that idea. We want God's, uh, we want heaven, which is God's kingdom, to come down to earth. So now that if you think of it this way, there's humanity all throughout the earth. So God's still continuing to like, we're going to make the whole earth like heaven. I'm just going to continue this mission. Now go out to all the races out there, all the people out there. 
and have them turn to me and follow me. And as they do that, we'll continue to fill the earth with my presence, which was my original goal from the beginning. So if there are other planets out there, we would think that uh, um, they're aiming for the same idea, is that God has granted them authority to, as the beings that they are, to fill that planet with God's presence so that the entire cosmos one day, every planet would look like God, just as, as he's wanted to do with our planet. So that might be the intention behind why they're out there. And if so, then they uh, may need salvation. They may not. We'll continue that conversation. Um, one thought, and this sounds a little weird, uh, is that maybe what Jesus did for us covers them too. Um, Paul, I think it's Paul. Paul, I think, talks about how like all of creation is being renewed by what Jesus did. Uh, and Jesus only came to us as human, right? So, like, Jesus kind of redeems the whole world by coming to us as a human, coming to us as an imager. Uh, Jesus didn't have, God didn't have to, okay, I've sent human Jesus, now I need to send cow Jesus and spider Jesus and all these other versions of Jesus to redeem the spiders and redeem the cows and redeem the trees. No, he sends a human, he sends a human Jesus and Jesus restores all of creation and what he does. So maybe what Jesus did for us is just so huge that it covers all of the entire universe. Uh, we also actually, C.S. Lewis would say, like, what if we meet aliens? Should we try to evangelize to them? Yeah, if they don't know about Jesus, we should, <laughs> we should try to tell them about Jesus. Um, another thing to consider about uh, would aliens be saved? And this goes especially to Joel's question or thought. Um, maybe there are no imagers on other planets. So like Joel said, not all of creation is like humanity, right? Every, everything on Earth, like humans are the only ones that can image God. That idea of like being made in God's image, it's a verb. You are to be imagers of God. That's why... You live in God's presence, and then you go out and image God to the rest of the world. So if a bunny looks at you, they should be like, ah, this is the way that God would treat me, because this person is, is being the image of God. You know, uh, The bunny doesn't have the ability to image God, but you do. Um, God expects you to do that. Bacteria can't image God, though God made it, and it serves its own purpose. So... Maybe on other planets you might find life. Maybe on Mars that rover will dig deep enough and come across some bacteria. By the definition of life, bacteria would be life. Does that mean that that planet needs salvation? No, because there's no imager there that requires itself to necessarily be repaired. Uh, so just because you might find life on another planet doesn't necessarily mean that it needs salvation uh, because Jesus wouldn't have to come save us if we had never got to the point of humanity, right? If it was just still all the creatures underneath humanity, you wouldn't have to come to, to do that. And then here's another thought. Maybe they don't need salvation. Maybe they actually did it right. <laughs> Maybe they didn't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil or whatever was set up for them. Maybe they never betrayed God in the first place. Actually, if you have read any of this book, Alien Theology, I start the whole thing with the story about uh, a little colony that uh, these space earthlings come across. 
And these aliens have never betrayed God. They all are following him, and it's exactly as that planet should look. So there is that possibility. Maybe another planet actually did it right, and they aren't in need of salvation in the first place because they haven't messed up. C.S. Lewis actually goes with that. He says, we might, for example, find a race which was like us, rational, but unlike us, innocent. No wars nor any other wickedness among them. All peace and good fellowship. I don't think any Christian would be puzzled to find that they knew no story of an incarnation or redemption and might even find our story hard to understand or accept if we told it to them. There would have been no redemption in such a world because it would not have needed redeeming. They that are whole need not the physician. The sheep that have never strayed need not to be sought for. We should have much to learn from such people and nothing to teach them. So I think that's a a real good thought right there, you know, like, C.S. Lewis was even like, man, I hope we don't find anything in space because humanity is so corrupt, we'll mess them up. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, treat, we'll start showing them bad ways to live, right? Uh, but then there's one other question that uh, we might ask about, what about salvation? What if we do find evil? I mean, what if we do find aliens, but they're evil? Only Joel watches SpongeBob. It's cool. And Tyler. The rest of you just didn't think it was funny? That's cool. I get it. All right. Fine. You know how long I worked on that animation? We're, we're going to watch it again. Evil! If you really watch it, then you know what I guess I don't know what we're talking about then. Um, but what if we run into aliens and we just find that they are corrupt all the way through and through? There is nothing uh, redemptive about them, and it seems like there never was anything redemptive about them. That we're actually going to talk about next week. So that's kind of a cliffhanger right there. Um, But I will, just to give you kind of a a look into next week, basically, if you were to look into, there's a lot of alien religions out there. Does anybody know any of them? Scientology, I think, would be one of them, right? That's a fake religion, but yes. I think that's a Futurama episode. Oh, is it really? Did they actually create a real one? After yeah, college, but they? it's all because it's fake. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, next week we're going to... Rastafarian? Okay, Rastafarian. Pastafarian. There's a lot of them out there. Uh, and if you actually do the research, if you don't just like... They're crazy, I'm never going to look into this. If you actually do the research, what you find is these people who have contact with aliens from Venus or Saturn or Urantia or wherever they they claim to be from. If you look into all the techniques they're using, their techniques are spiritual. It's uh, occultic techniques, actually, satanic stuff that has well been known for a long time to be connected to demonology. So one of the ways in which demons are working today, because we're a very scientific-minded culture, they know that a lot of people aren't going to listen to spiritual conversation, so they pretend to be aliens and relay their message as though they are that instead of uh, demons. I know that this sounds, I know that now I truly look like the aliens guy. Um, But this is actually very, very common. Uh, So like, even if you listen to like the leaders of these UFO cults, you'd be like, oh yeah, so you saw the alien? No, I never saw the alien. I just, I could hear him in my mind or... 
uh, I had automatic writing experience. We're like, you know, we've heard of these things for a long time. This has been uh, connected to the occult. So it is a demonic strategy these days to pretend to be aliens for the sake of misleading uh, people. And it, it actually it works pretty well in a lot of cases. And this is not just religious people figuring it out. This is scientific people figuring it out. 1992, there was a research paper presented at MIT, <laughs> MIT, in which they're like, this is weird, but we have found all of these crazy comparisons between satanic rituals and alien abduction stories. Like, there's just too much overlap going on here. They basically look the same. Stories between alien abductions and medieval accounts of demonic exorcisms look very much the same. So as you start to pay attention to the fruit, what you see is like demons are still out there operating in similar ways, but they know that people don't want to listen to spiritual uh, conversations anymore. So they're using the way that we think, no, we're scientific. We're from another dimension or another, uh, another planet and we're inviting you to Venus. And if you really look at the stuff, here's what you'll find too. All of these uh, aliens, so-called aliens, they're cool with anything spiritual you want to talk about, but they hate Jesus. <laughs> that should be like a, a core, like, that should pop out to you when you're looking at it. Like, they'll, they'll try to do everything they can to work around Jesus. Like, oh, no, 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 Jesus was one of us. We sent him from Venus to, to go and do all that. And then they'll start to twist all the stories about Jesus to see it in, in a different light. Next week... I really hope you'll consider, I know a lot of people take off after this point, but I really hope you'll consider staying the whole time. We're going to show a documentary from a brilliant Bible scholar who loves looking into weird stuff. And the whole thing is just, uh, the documentary is called Aliens and Demons. And he spends an hour and a half, I think. He's going to go through um, a lot of government cover-up type stuff because he also, before he became a biblical studies, he was a political major of sorts so he takes you through a lot of that but then he also takes you through uh kind of the the spiritual side of of a lot of this uh demonic alien overlap it is an amazing documentary you will not see anything else out there like this but the reason that he's he does things like this is because he hates when people lie about stuff and he hates when whether that's a person lying about stuff uh, the guy, I think, who made Ancient Aliens famous, uh, this Bible scholar, like, he knows all the old languages and whatnot, Akkadian, Ugarit, all this. And he's like, here, this is what this guy told you this hieroglyph says? It doesn't. That's not what it says. He's lying to you. You know, so, like, uh, he likes to just try to find truth where it is. With that, too, I want to clarify. I have no problem believing that God has made other physical aliens on other planets. Okay? I have no problem believing that. I do think that every alien story you have heard on Earth is related to something demonic or something uh, political, too. Uh, there's a lot of technology out there that... Uh, there's a lot of tech out there that uh, easily can get construed as UFOs and things like that. Um, but that I'm, I'm going to leave for next week. So... I dive into, I'm, I'm not going to talk on that subject next week. I'm just going to show the documentary. So if you want to know more of what I would have said next week, you'll have to actually read that chapter. Uh, but a lot of it will be covered in the documentary. But yeah, so all that being said, I've now got most of my crazy out of my system. Though next week will be the craziest part of all. 
But again, very good documentary, very eye-opening. Any final thoughts or questions or anything before we close out? It's a good Halloween discussion. I just said it's a good Halloween discussion. Yeah. If aliens don't exist, why? I think that's a very powerful question to ask. The evil animation? <laughs> that's, that's what you were asking for. Go. Yeah, I, I'll pull that up. <laughs> Every villain is lemons! <laughs> you feel better? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we can even... Uh... Sean! Sean is here. Uh, any other final questions? Thanks for divulging me on the subject. I think it's really fun to talk about, but that's because I watch a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, and I know it's a very niche topic, um, but I, I, think, uh, I think there's a lot we can learn about God in the discussion. And honestly, I think there's a lot of important stuff you can learn about um, modern-day spiritual warfare in important lights by pursuing this discussion as well. So I don't think it's as... Uh, off the table as many people treat it um those who are bound up in uh kind of ufo religions like those are the people jesus sent us to save to free the oppressed and to to understand the way in which the enemy works so that we can free them in the first place all right uh let me pray for you god I just thank you uh that we've been able to create the space to have these conversations. Uh, we thank you for all of your creation, whatever it might be. Uh, we know that we can't see it all. And if we did, I think our eyes would just be open to just how great and powerful and wonderful you are um, beyond what we already understand. Uh, there's already beings recorded throughout scripture that we still don't understand seraphim cherubim the creatures around your throne uh, you yourself even the trinity and how that works so um, we we just put our thinking at your feet and we ask that you would develop us to think uh, the ways that that you want us to think would you use the knowledge that we have here that it wouldn't be pointless um, that it would give us a space to engage in conversations with people who need to have those conversations, whether it be just being Christians who can have a conversation about science well, or it be about a supernatural conversation as to how to help someone see something more clearly. We turn ourselves over to you, and we thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.